All right. Now I am recording. Can you say something? Jess Mankiewicz was doing a recording the other day on Dateline. And you know how you click your pen sometimes? Oh, God, yes. He had a pen and he was like twisting it. Uh Uh-huh. I'm just like, it doesn't make any sound, but I can't stop watching Josh twist his pen. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. So again, as we record, I I can't seem to figure out how to get things set up. I should really write stuff down. I think perhaps I've suggested that at some point in time. Well, yeah, but you're usually hateful about it. so I I probably am. Yeah. I apologize. So um, I I do want to tell you, though, that in our last episode... Mm -hmm. I think only three times did I have to cut out just a little bit of time where you were pausing in between words. That's amazing because I know. put it out to me. I, I'm like, oh my God, what's wrong with me? Uh, Is this early onset dementia? What's happening? Well, it's like I said, though, you, you know, in normal conversation, a half a second pause isn't right. anything. But when you're sitting there listening to a recording, it's like, why is it so quiet? <laughs> Is anybody there? <laughs> I'm going to quit listening because clearly they've stopped talking. So, And then I think to myself, is it really even early on set at this point in time? <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Although you worry about that. I'm thinking I can't remember how to record things. Nine times out of ten, I walk into the garage and I'm like, why am I here? Oh, there's, <laughs> there's booze here, so I might that's as well true. take one of those. That's true. There, I may as well have a beer while I'm here. <laughs> I don't know that that's what I was here for, but what the heck. But hey, winner, winner, chicken dinner. Woo-hoo. So. Hey, what are we talking about today? Oh, I know. You like witty banter, so how was your week? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> that was your two In, weeks. It's insert been two weeks. witty banner. Yes. It's been two weeks. I said banner, like Elmo like, Banner. Like which Bruce from, Banner. Which is like from an episode of the uh, Murder, She Wrote. Ah. Uh, so who wit- threw the bar tolls and Mrs. Fletcher's chowder? Okay, no one knows that. Everyone knows that. Okay, I uh-huh. take, take that back. <laughs> it's a very small subset of so nerds I did that read this, you know, those of you who, who are longtime listeners know that Stephanie is also a huge, huge fan of the Golden Girls. Mm-hmm. And I read something the other day that said all of the cast members of Friends now are older than the, was it the oldest cast member on the Golden Girls when it started? Yes. Which is crazy to me. Yes. Because, well, let's face it, I love B. Arthur, but she looked like she was 90 when she started. She looked like she was 90 in Maud. That's true. Yes, that's <laughs> true. like a full decade ahead that, of the Golden yes. Girls. Yeah, that's true. So um, so how was your how was your weeks? It was good. We went to Parents Weekend at an undisclosed university for the boy child. And Excellent. that was lots of fun. He's Excellent. doing very good. We that's could not be cool. more happy about it. Good. Is he happy? He's incredibly happy. Well, good, because he's done with you people. I know. (laughs) He has has moved on to the next phase of his life. He really has. And it does not include the rest of us. It was seamless, too. (laughs) That transition was fast and seamless. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Um, What What about you? Oh, I I didn't do anything fun or exciting in the last two weeks. Why not? I don't know, because I'm neither fun nor exciting, so I don't know what to tell you. Sorry. I'm trying to think. Um, no, I got nothing. Nope. I got bupkis. Nope. I had plenty of time to sit on my ass and watch television. <gasps> Have you watched anything good? No. Have I you just... watched any of that Dahmer thing? No, I haven't because that sort of that stuff is disturbing to me. Although I hear that they're true to form because I, I I had lunch with somebody today who'd been watching it. Um, our dear friend Casey, and mm. he's he was telling me, and I said, well, did they? Cover the part where, you know, Jeffrey Dahmer could have been caught when the little, I think, Mm -hmm. Laotian boy Mm -hmm. had gotten away. And he's like, oh, my gosh, they were, you know, this, this and this. I'm like, well, they're staying true to the story then. Yeah, it's 
you know, I, I don't necessarily think that I am tender on these issues because of what, what I've done. been doing right. for the past 16 years. Porn. Right. <laughs> My OnlyFans. <laughs> um, Except that she's on an OnlyFan. <laughs> really? I swear to God, there's got to be a niche market for this somewhere. <laughs> somewhere. Um, but there are certain cases like that that really, really bother me. And I, I don't know why one does it and another one doesn't. Mm-hmm. But Bob Berdella freaks me all the way out. And Jeff, this Jeffrey Dahmer thing is just... Kind of on edge. Huh. Well, and also, you know, my understanding is is, is that it's not, you know, it's not uh, real participants over dramatized actions. That it's actually a, it's actually a, I forget, I don't know how that's really referred to, but like a docudrama kind of, yeah. kind of approach. Yeah. And he's just, I think it's the coolness that he has whenever he's confronted with something like that. Because there have been situations where I've been busted for something. I'm like, uh, 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 no one will know, right? I'm so smooth. So smooth. Do you know why I pulled you over? <laughs> no! Was it because I was speeding? Was it because I was passing in the wrong lane and thinking about going over the shoulder? Maybe? Yeah. I don't so. know. What do you have, officer? I'm not, I got a kind of a catalog of things going on here. What are you thinking we're doing today? I have a very good friend who is just like, it's cool. Like, butter wouldn't melt in her mouth when shit goes down. She's so cool. I wish. I am. I'm like the biggest spastic nerd. I can't even tell a simple white lie without a neon sign. Does this make me look fat? No! (laughs) You're an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. So, it just, I mean, he's talking to these police officers and he's like, oh yeah, he's my boyfriend and... We got into a fight, and he's like, how old is he? He's like, oh, he's 19. This kid's 14 years old. And that kid looked like he was about 12. That was so troubling to me. At the time it happened, it was so troubling to me. In the intervening time, it hasn't gotten any fucking less disturbing. No, no. I mean, mean, clearly, it's just one of those, you know what the attitude probably was at the time, and probably, you know, using wildly impolite phrases for homosexual couples, and Right. And, and, you know, I just, I wonder. Literally, the cops wouldn't go into a bedroom where there was a dead fucking body slammed, like, squished between the wall and the bed because I think he was scared he was going to get the gay. Well, you know, that rubs off. And once it gets on you, there's just nothing you can do. I mean, Bactine won't take it off. <laughs> That's the, the Bactine. It's the dumbest thing, which reminds me, Burke breathed. Breathed, is that how you pronounce this list? Breathed is on Instagram now and I am I am here for all of it. Every single second of it. Oh my gosh. So yes, I know I've I've digressed, but um in any case I forget where I was headed with all of this anyway. See, that's early onset. <laughs> that's early onset. And we've well, come full circle. Then we've had this since we all were right, like people. Hey, 15 and 17 respectively. That's right. Well thanks for coming to the show today. It's been a good solid seven minutes. Right. We're we're out. So <laughs> but at any rate, the the whole thing, though, at the time with the little boy and, and I, that community was outraged, thankfully. I, and right. I just wonder, to a certain extent, and I wouldn't wish this on anybody, but I guess I kind of wish it on these cops that you didn't do your job. 
You didn't no. fully investigate because no. you were convinced that, you know, that this community didn't deserve your time right. or energy or, or what. I don't know. And that little boy was murdered not long after that interaction. Right. Not only was he murdered, but he, in, and I didn't realize this, but Dahmer was a convicted sex offender. I did not know oh, that. Oh, I didn't know that either. And he was a convicted sex offender because he had perped on that little boy's brother. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I was just oh, I had sitting. no idea. I was sitting on the couch and I'm just like, oh, That's I'm, wow. I'm horrified. I'm horrified. And the kid said he would go with him to take some pictures because he needed money for his family. And it's just. Oh, my gosh. The, the layers of oh, just yeah. horrifying That's are just awful. But. It is well done. The guy who's playing Jeffrey Dahmer does a remarkable job. Well, another friend said, hey, that's kind of a dangerous role for this guy because he's apparently playing it very well. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. One doesn't want to get pigeonholed. Right. And people are talking about how hot he is, like how hot Jeffrey Dahmer is. I'm like, no. No, no. This is the Mark Harmon playing Ted Bundy thing from the 80s. Right. Where people were like, oh, Ted Bundy's so hot. No, fuck you. Ted Bundy's <laughs> ugly as hell. He was disgusting and creepy, and you have a crush on Mark Harmon. Oh, Understandable. I hope. I hope, anyway. <laughs> yeah, because so. Ted Bundy, not it. No, not a good human being. Um, so, at any rate, as, as I recall, though, with Jeffrey Dahmer, there is always, as it's been said, there's some honor among thieves, and in particular, people who hurt women, people who hurt children, um, are, are not very well received in prison. And no. as I recall, Jeffrey Dahmer was not either. No. So, I, not to spoil the end for those of you who are watching this, but I already know how this story ends. Right. He gets beaten to death in prison. So, okay. So, Good. Um, I'm okay with that. I, you know, I have complicated feelings about Jeffrey Dahmer because I feel like... Because he's so dreamy. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> my basement is flooded. He's a panty dropper. Oh, my no. God. Um <laughs> Can we not have a repeat of last episode's <laughs> lightning butthole? <laughs> um, but he, there's just always this air of sadness about him. Like, I don't, like, you see people like Ted Bundy and they're just like, you know, I'm so cool. I'm this, I'm that. There's no, they never seem to show any remorse or regret right, or anything right. like that. There was just this air of, gloominess around Jeffrey Dahmer that I do feel just the teeny tiniest bit of empathy for him. Tiny. <laughs> Microscopic. I, I, you're a better human being than I am because I can find none for him. And I can find none for the police officers that that yeah, just I completely don't. ignored the pleas of that little boy. And and, and I am very neighbors. pro I am very pro law enforcement. Right. No one can no one can can challenge my my law enforcement creds. No, you got bona fides, but this is just beyond the pale what they did. It, it do. really is. And and again, had it been had it been a man and a little girl, mm -hmm. I don't think we'd have been there. No. But because it was two men and because of the time, which mm -hmm. I hope those times have changed dramatically. I mean, not as much as we'd like to see, but I think there's been a lot of improvement mm -hmm. for that community um, that, that hopefully that wouldn't repeat itself. And the neighbor, I mean, I don't know how much of this is true. It seems like it's very realistic how this is being portrayed, but the neighbor and her daughters are like begging the cops to do something. Like, he's, are you sure he's that age? You know, 
why aren't you looking for his ID? You know, I mean, they're asking. Wasn't he nude also? In the original story, I believe he was nude. That's what I thought. In the dramatization he has on underwear. Well, okay. But But 14-year-old boys or 12-year-old boys, however old he was, don't have the same physical architecture of 19, 20, 21-year-old men. Right. So you're just not even trying at this point. You've just shut down because, oh, it's just two two of these boys. Mm -hmm. So that's just... And you also think about how, uh, like, race and gender and socioeconomic status played into this. Absolutely. Because if his neighbor had been, oh, I don't know, a councilman or something like that and is begging the police to do something, they certainly wouldn't have walked away. Well, if it would have been, and I don't I don't really recall the neighborhood, but I, I don't think it was an upper middle class neighborhood. No, it was, they called it like Drug Alley or Drug okay. Central or something. So had it been perhaps, you know, Drug Avenue and not Drug Alley, <laughs> right. then maybe we also would have seen some, some more attention there to your point about socioeconomic issues. Yeah, I mean, it it really highlights, and I don't know, I've read things online where people, these are like think pieces, have talked about how that Dahmer specifically selected that area because he knew that his his whiteness would buy him a a pass on certain things. Okay. Like, he could get by with it because he was the only white guy in the neighborhood. Oh, okay, okay. And it's just, it, it will make you think about that situation when put into those terms, sure that he not he victimized the community on multiple levels. Right. Okay. So yeah. At any rate, I've, I did hear just at lunch today how good that show was. Yeah, that, but I'm, I'm at one episode and we're holding steady. I don't know. That well, I'll, I'll tell you sure. what. What two people at lunch told me is 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 that uh, I tap out after about two episodes in a row. Oh yeah, you can't that, binge watch this. Yeah, if you can't. You may want to see a therapist. <laughs> you just... may have some other issues. <laughs> right. So, um, I, you know, there was something. I have a real bad habit. I don't think it's a bad habit. I have a tendency to watch shows I've watched before. I don't consider myself to be an anxious person. Mm-hmm. But I'd read an article not long ago that said that how some people cope with anxiety is this: they watch the same shows over and over again because the outcome has become predictable. Right. And I thought, well, is it also possible? Maybe I just like these shows. <laughs> Does it have to be right. there's another thing? So, yes. But, you know, to a certain extent, I, I don't disagree with that. They're comforting to me, I yes. think, is probably more what it is. Right. However, I do sneak some new stuff in. Uh-huh. So um, the the youngest at home got me into the Goldbergs. And uh, right. it is... I love it. It mm-hmm. is incredibly funny. Mm-hmm. And I just... I feel so bad... For for Adam Go- Adam F Goldberg because so much of this actually happened to this. I know, kid. <laughs> I know. It's I've seen a few episodes. What a good sport he is! It's very funny. It is. It is very and funny. It captures that time period. Well, yeah, of course, because so you know well. you and you and I both products of the eighties mm-hmm. and just absolutely love the eighties. And of course, you know, mom has big hair and. Mm-hmm. There's an Aquanet hole in the ozone above their house. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I did step away from uh, fiction to, and, and you know, I love my, my documentaries mm-hmm. as well. 
Um, there is on Hulu, and there's a show, and I, I might screw up the name, but it's Days That Changed America. Oh. And the very first episode is the Space Shuttle Challenger. Oh, I watched that. Okay. Yeah. And then I, I jumped ahead because then the next one was Oklahoma City. And, mm-hmm. of course, I can't think about the Challenger or Oklahoma City bombing, of course, without thinking of you. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we were around each other during Mm -hmm. both of those watching these unbelievably historical events unfold and and the tragedy of both of those unfold. Um, Did I tell you when we took my oldest to uh, his MOS training, he was uh, he's a Marine, but he was actually at Fort Sill in Mm -hmm. Lawton, Oklahoma, and we had to drive through Oklahoma City. And so we stopped at the Oklahoma City Memorial and and we spent a good two hours walking through the museum. And and then, of course, you know, they have all the chairs set up in the footprint of the building. Right. What's so surprising to me is how small that building, I mean, it was tall, but right. it was not a deep building at all. Because it looks mammoth in those pictures, of like the video stuff that we saw. Right. right. And, and because, again, probably because of its height. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, where they have each of these chairs lined up for, for each person that had died. It just, it's just so moving. And the museum itself, if you've never been, you, you have got to go. Mm-hmm. You've absolutely got to go. And, and I think everybody needs to experience these types of pieces of, of our history mm-hmm. so that we don't lose sight of what can happen when maybe we lose sight of what could happen. Right. Um, obviously, you know, I would love to get to the 9-11 Memorial in New York City. I, I just I just haven't. I yeah, just haven't gotten I've there. I've been to that one. Oh, I can't imagine. I cannot imagine. It was... <laughs> You're going to have to cut this part out. It was so emotional when right. I, because you stand there and you see they have the, the pools of water where everybody's names are written around them. Which is the footprint of the original two buildings, of the right? Two buildings, yeah. yeah. And then um, when it's their the person who has who died that day, it's their birthday, they put a flower oh, my goodness. where their name is. And that's what did for me. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. So... Um, so I haven't done the 9-11 one yet. Um, there's also Waco is in there. That's a, another odd, and that's an odd crossover when you look at right. uh, Timothy McVeigh yeah. and the fact that he was actually at Waco observing. Mm-hmm. And, of course, he used that as in part kind of the impetus for his actions in Oklahoma City. Right. It radicalized him against the government. Right, right. That and Ruby Ridge. Yes, yeah, Ruby yeah. Ridge as well. I'd forgotten about that. And then I, I can't, off the top of my head, I can't remember what the other episode is in there. Yeah, because I, I made it through most of the Challenger one. And that's particularly upsetting to me since my uncle was like the Kansas oh, State right. finalist for the, right. the yeah. space shuttle. Certainly, he so, could have could have been there. Ugh. Um, but yeah, so I have watched that. Okay. So now I have to cut all of that out. <laughs> Don't let me sound like a blubbering idiot either. Oh, you won't. You'll be fine. It okay. sounded fine. So, um, at any rate, no, I'm not going to say that anymore. <laughs> you need to get a rubber band. I Snap. You catch yourself saying it. Snap yourself. That is true. Um, all right. But what are we actually here to talk about today? Wait. We're giving a nod to What? The Innocence Project. All right. Why don't you uh, Why don't you tell our listeners what that is? Well, um, there's a couple of different Innocence Projects. I mean, there's there's the big one, and then there's the regional ones. But 
The Innocence Project is a nonprofit legal organization that is committed to exonerating individuals who have been wrongly convicted. You will find uh, some of their successes. I can't even think of who, who I want to talk about first. Well, while you think about that, though, it's also not just people who've been wrongfully convicted, but it's people who maybe have been disproportionately affected by, um, by well, for lack of a better term, bad law. Right. The, the Probably one of the most recognized areas that has come into play is the disparity between sentencing on crack cocaine versus powder cocaine. Right. Absolutely. Because who predominantly uses powder cocaine? White people. And who predominantly uses crack cocaine? Not white people. Right. So, <laughs> um, and, and what got me onto this subject today, and Stephanie is really the expert here. It's not me. She's, she, she's done just some tremendous work. She's frankly done work that I just would not do. Um, I, I just, I, I just, it's just not how I'm wired. It's not how I, I, I think. And, and she's taken some, she's frankly taken some work that's just pushing water uphill. Um, and that's yeoman's work there. But I had read an article in, um, in a publication called The Appeal titled Habitual Offender Laws Imprison Thousands for Small Crimes, Sometimes for Life, which is, is near and dear to my heart because practicing in municipal courts, practicing predominantly uh, misdemeanor infractions in and misdemeanor crimes, you begin to see how some of these laws disproportionately affect the working poor. Mm -hmm. um, and really, really, from an economics perspective, does a fine, fine job of locking people into the system. Mm -hmm. and, and just to give you an example, in some states, you can get your driver's license suspended because you couldn't afford to pay a traffic citation. Right. So your traffic citation is an infraction. You're not going to jail for a traffic citation, but you couldn't pay it or you forgot about it. And then they send you a 30 day letter. And because you're busy, because you didn't do a forwarding address, because you didn't change the address on your driver's license, you didn't get it. Yes, that's your fault. Sure. Right. But the thing that is important for everybody to pay attention to is they're talking about traffic citations. Correct. This isn't like DUIs. Right. This is something that honestly everybody's guilty of at some point in time is a traffic infraction. Right. And I probably committed four of them on the way here. I just <laughs> right. didn't get caught. But What's up, Lidfoot? <laughs> but at any rate, I got that's I gotta quit saying at any rate. You're gonna have to throw something at me. Okay. Um what would happen then is is their driver's license would be suspended and then they would get pulled over for some other infraction. Mm -hmm. You know, failure to signal, improper lane change, speeding. Your tail light burns out. Your tag light. Some states have that tag light rule, which is shocking to people who move into those states. Right. So you get pulled over and all of a sudden your driver's license is suspended. Well, guess what? In some states, that's an arrestable offense. Yes. So you get an officer who arrests the person and now they're off the clock because now they've got to process the arrest, take them to jail, wait for them to be processed through the jail. And now they're being charged with a misdemeanor. Now, it's a, a non-person misdemeanor, but it is a big deal. Yes. And now it's another fee. So your driver's license is suspended. You've still got to pay the first citation. So you probably have a warrant fee. You probably have a reinstatement fee. Then you have the fee for your driving without or your driving while suspended. Which, in addition to being an arrestable offense, 
is also a moving violation. So right. now you have insurance issues. Yes. So now you can't afford your insurance. You can't afford all the fines that you got. And you really need to get to one of your two or three jobs that you have because you're trying to pay your child support. Right. And now you can't drive, so you've lost your job, so you go and you get you a couple of jobs that pay minimum wage that you can walk to. You, you're not keeping up with your payment commitments to municipal court for all these fines and fees because you're trying to pay your child support. But you can't keep up with your child support because, well, you didn't know that you should have gotten it amended mm -hmm. because, well, you're not a lawyer. Right. And you certainly can't afford to hire one. Right. And so you also don't know that there might be resources available to help you. You just assume this is your lot in life. So then because you fell 5000 or more dollars behind in your child support, the state's now filed felony child support evasion and did what? Suspended, Suspended your, your driver's, driver's license. license. That's a true story. That is a yeah. true story of a client that I worked with. And it was absolutely heartbreaking. Because this guy was working hard. He, he just was trying to get a go. He just needed a break of some sort. And everywhere he turned, he could not get one. Now, ultimately, we were able to help him out. We were able to, to kind of get some things moving in the right direction for him. That doesn't happen to everybody. No. That just, you know, they just give up. They go into hiding. They keep driving. But then they get a driving while suspended second. That has, I think, a mandatory, in some states, mandatory jail time. Yes. And then you have a third, and that has even more. And this is particularly frustrating. When you see that somebody got a driving while suspended subsequent, and they're spending more time in jail than somebody who killed somebody with a DUI. Yes. That's an exaggeration, but... But it's not. <laughs> true. And... I mean, we like me, to think that it is... You know, oh, you know, nothing like that ever happens, but it does. It does. And, you know, realistically, though, spending more time in jail for not paying a traffic, ultimately not paying a traffic citation when somebody with a DUI second is, pay, is spending nowhere near that amount of time and, and, and still has their driving privileges because they could afford all of the hoops they needed to jump through in order to continue driving. And this person who was speeding right. is now facing months of jail time. And they can't do house arrest because, well, that's really expensive. It's very expensive. So, you know, that's the that's kind of what we get into when we talk about habitual offender. Because then the next step after that third time that you're caught, now you're a habitual offender. Right. Now you're just not, we're just going to, we're just going to revoke your license and you're not going to have one for five years. But maybe that clock doesn't start until you've paid all of your fines. Maybe it does. Right. What this article was talking about is different. One of the examples that they used was a gentleman who was sentenced to life in prison because he was considered a habitual violator for personal use amounts of marijuana. And fortunately, they were able to get his sentence overturned um, using a, a uh, ineffective assistance of counsel argument at sentencing. Mm -hmm. But this, this man, personal use amounts of marijuana, I, I mean, he wasn't selling it. He right. wasn't selling it to school kids. This wasn't porno child pornography. This yeah. wasn't rape or murder or anything else. We're going to put this man in prison for the rest of his life because he smoked a little bit of weed? Right. And you know me. I, I'm not a pot smoker. I'm yeah. not a pot guy. I, I like alcohol. Right. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm lucky that my recreational activities are lawful. 
Right. Had I been around in Prohibition, guess what? I might have been charged with possession of vodka. Yeah. <laughs> was vodka even invented during Prohibition? I don't know. I'm sure. I wasn't there. How old do you think I am? No, I'm just saying that I think there's a bar in uh, Las Vegas that only... It like is a speakeasy thing where you have to give them a code to get in. That's and, funny, right? So it's super fun that way. But they only serve cocktails that were around in Prohibition, and I believe that the video said that there wasn't vodka, so they serve like gin and bourbon and whiskey, but no vodka. And I was like, "What? I am appalled. I'm outraged. No, no vodka. How does this happen? That is." According to legend, around 1430, a monk named Isidore from Chudov Monastery inside the Moscow Kremlin made a recipe for the first Russian vodka. Now, that comes from Wikipedia, kids, so take now, it for what it's worth. Maybe but it just was, we didn't have it here. The, I suppose. Well, let's look that up. So you carry on with the Innocence Project. <laughs> uh, when I was in law school, I actually um, worked, I volunteered for the Innocence Project and then between our second and third year, I worked on a, a case uh, for class credit that eventually ended in an exoneration. And uh, I didn't, it's not like I found, you know, a smoking gun or any sort of like massive evidence, but to be part of something like that is, is very rewarding and it helps get through get you through the times when you are pushing water up a hill. <laughs> right. Sure. Sure. Um, you, you know, when you look at, and, and are the attorneys that work for the Innocence Project, are they paid or are they volunteer? Is it a mix? It's a mix. Okay. There are staff attorneys okay. that, that do work for the I, I cannot Project. imagine the caseload. I can't imagine. And, you know, here's the thing. Some of you might be listening to this and rolling your eyes thinking, well, you know, if he'd have paid his traffic ticket, this would have never happened. And you're right. You are absolutely right. Yeah. But imagine all of the things that can go wrong. And here we're talking about one thing going wrong that just brings down the entire house. Mm -hmm. And and now we have somebody locked into the system. Mm -hmm. Yes, he absolutely should have remembered his citation. Have you ever forgotten something? Right. So um, also now to jump in, first of all, I, 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 my recollection of prohibition, not personal recollection, because sure. I'm, I'm not 100 I didn't realize that it was almost 14 full years. Oh, I didn't realize that. That was like five. Right. January of 20 to December of 33. Damn. And vodka came to the United States right in a hurry in 1934. <laughs> so, there's my boy. Hello, old friend. <laughs> so... Um, but it just kind of going... No, there, everybody. You learned something. Exactly. Exactly. You learned something. Vodka wasn't in the United States until after Prohibition. Exactly. And, 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 you know, for those people who are all about crime and punishment, now, you get caught driving because you got a DUI and your driver's license was suspended. You get what you deserve. Right. That is just what it is. Because these are, these are a series of choices about things that could have been prevented. Right. And granted, yes, speeding could have been prevented or you could have remembered to use your blinker or... Or whatever, but I can tell you what: at any given moment on the road, I, I, I guarantee you, I don't ever drive where there probably wasn't some infraction. Right? Did you go thirty-six? Well, that was loud. Did you go thirty-six and a thirty-five? That's breaking the law. Right, and there are places that will pull you over. Right, for that. right. So you know, imagine getting a ticket for that. 
Again, we're not talking about high crimes Mm -hmm. that caused a driver's license to be suspended. Now, your driver's license got suspended because you decided to not pay your child support. Mm, I call that a naturally flowing consequence. Pay your child support. You're not paying it. Clearly, you don't need a car to go to work. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, what's interesting, though, is some states also will suspend your right to have a fishing or hunting, a gaming license. Yes. So yes, I did know that. I, I think that's interesting. So what else can you tell us about the Innocence Project? Uh, maybe some of your personal There's experiences so or observations. Um, when I was most involved in this, this was bet- like 2004, 2005. Um, you are old. I know. I graduated from law school in 2006. So um, we would have screening clinics on the weekend. Okay. And there would be cases that were submitted by inmates. At the time that I was most involved in this, it was we were mainly looking for DNA cases because DNA was uh, sort of the cause celebre at this point in time. There were a lot of people in prison who had not had the benefit of DNA testing. So uh, they would submit this lengthy questionnaire. Uh, we would go through their case. They were supposed to send us anything that they had in terms of uh, newspaper clippings, any pleadings that they had had, uh, anything that we were looking at had gone past the appellate stage and was only in post-conviction. So that meant that their appeals had been exhausted and they were moving into post-conviction remedies. Um, and we would go through and you would try to evaluate the cases. The majority of the cases that came to us were not taken <laughs> because, right. you know, it, everyone jokes that, you know, everyone in prison's innocent. Well, no. Right. <laughs> no, they're not. Right. But there are people there who are, are in some. prison who are innocent. And and the fact mm-hmm. that you when when one person gets exonerated after having been wrongfully imprisoned for twenty or thirty years, mm-hmm. this statement of well, I probably did something, you really ought to have the shit slapped out of you. Yeah. And, and I'm not advocating violence, but if somebody did just come up and randomly slap the shit out of you, that's okay. To, no, not really. No. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but imagine that being you. Imagine yeah. that being your mom. Right. Imagine that being your dad, because there is a whole lot of being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yes. And this notion of, well, they probably did something is just a non-starter. I, I want to jump back to this habitual offender law. And I'm, again, kind of reading off of this this uh, site, The Appeal. There was um, a man in Mississippi who had his first run-in with the law in uh, 1983, and that was a charge for selling marijuana. And then a few years later, he had materials to manufacture methamphetamine. So he had uh, precursor uh, supplies, I guess, for lack of a better term. Mm And that happened, oh gosh, I don't really know how much longer um, after. It's not jumping right out at me. In any case, though, his third time he got pulled over and the police found, again, uh, precursors to manufacture methamphetamine. And uh, the Mississippi Habitual Offender Law allowed the prosecutor to pursue a sentence of up to 60 years. And apparently he did. And uh, this man at 56 years old was obviously will spend the rest of his life in prison. Now, now let me guess, and I'm just spitballing here. Does he happen to be a man of color? 
Well, not by the picture. Really? No, not by the picture. But whether or not his ethnicity is Hispanic, for example, mm-hmm. Latino, I don't know that. Um, but I will, I, I will tell you, and, and, and again, I want to be fair, I'm not going through the entire article for folks. Sure. Um, and, and I understand that it's really easy to sit back and say, oh, well, he was going to manufacture methamphetamine. With the amounts that he had, um, I, I'm not, I don't make methamphetamine, but he had six packs of cold medicine and four lithium batteries. I, I don't know that he was selling to the neighborhood. Six packs of cold medicine and four lithium batteries. Right. Okay, I this is like getting pulled over. I had this happen in Las Vegas one time where a guy got pulled over and he had, they just determined that he had burglary tools because he had leather gloves and uh, like some bolt cutters and... You mean he had tools? Yeah, he was a landscaper. Right. The bolt cutters that they call them bolt cutters are actually the things that you cut big, thick... Oh, shrubs. Shrubs with. Or pruner, probably pruners. Yeah. And I'm like, that's not that. Those are tools. How, how <laughs> about he, how about did he have a ski mask, right. zip ties, <laughs> and you know, and these big garbage bags, right? So yeah, how about we actually look for crimes? Um, in any case, though, I, again, I don't manufacture methamphetamine, but I'm not sure that six packs of cold medicine is 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 going to manufacture enough methamphetamine to go and sell it and live large off of. Well, also, I mean, back in the day, you used to be able to buy cold medicine without having to, you know, go through a colonoscopy to get it. Right. And there are people who have really bad allergies who might have had six packs of cold medicine because they were on sale or something at the pharmacy. And the lithium batteries, I mean, there's any number of reasons why you could have had that. I don't know why this got tagged for, you know... Possession with intent to distribute. But but here's the other thing. Just because the law allows you to pursue a massive sentence, is it necessary for you to? Because this guy is set to be released in 2067 at the age of 103. But how else can they get votes if they don't tell people that they're tough on crime? Which is is interesting to me because you're not actually solving anything. Mm-mm. You're not actually doing anything to reduce the instance of crime. Now, by keeping somebody locked up, you're doing two things. You're increasing costs for the taxpayers, but you are also just eliminating that person's uh, ability to recommit crime. But mm-hmm. you're doing nothing. These are not... These massive sentences like the hard 40 or habitual offender, these are what are called negative future uncertainties. Mm-hmm. There are not, if there were any certainty to it at all, it might actually have some sort of deterrence factor. But from a behavioral psychology perspective, the least effective consequence is the one that's in the future and uncertain. Mm-hmm. So, for example, you're driving along. You got a clear stretch of road. You don't see a police officer at all. The negative future uncertainty is I'm not going to, I, I'm going rather, I'm going to get a citation. But it's negative. Yes, that does alter my behavior a little bit, but it's in the future and mm-hmm. it's really uncertain mm-hmm. until I pop the hill and then I see the highway patrolman and then I'm like, ooh, well, this is a, a negative future certainty. Right. <laughs> and then the lights come on and I'm like, oh, damn, now it's just a negative certainty. Now it's just negative. Right. Right. Um, but it doesn't really have a, a deterrent factor to it. No. 
I don't not commit murder because it's illegal. Right. I just don't commit murder. Right. I don't shoplift not because it's illegal, because it's wrong. Mm -hmm. So this notion that a 60-year sentence is somehow going to deter crime, all you're doing is increasing costs, destroying families. And, and, you know, yes, some people do deserve to be locked up. Yes. Forever and ever. They're called serial killers and rapists and Mm -hmm. child molesters and child pornographers Mm -hmm. and murderers. These are the people who deserve to be locked up and never seen from again. And I sleep fine at night there. But this guy tootling along with enough cold medicine to make a a little bit of methamphetamine, not saying it's okay. I'm not on board with it. He shouldn't have done it. Yes, there should be a consequence. But does the consequence actually fit the crime here? 60 years? At 56 years old when his first crime was when he was 19? In 1983. Can we not use a little prosecutorial discretion and simply say, hey, you know what? Yes, you're going to go down. But here's the other thing. You're also going to go to treatment. Right. Because that's how we're going to solve the problem. Right. Because six packs of cold, six packs of cold medicine and some batteries, uh, I mean, that's like Kleenex. There's going to be another person pop right. up in that Absolutely. to fill that need Absolutely. immediately. But just as a quick aside, if you're doing a drug that has cold medicine, lithium batteries, and shit from under the kitchen cabinet, maybe you ought to rethink lots of your life choices. Right. Made that's by just... the people you went to high school with who never fucking right. took chemistry. <laughs> Exactly. This is a big bone exactly. I have to pick with some of the stuff that right? we're not around here. No, I, I absolutely agree. Um, but does this make any sense? Has justice no. really been served here? This guy has a child, and he had a young child. And yes, again, he wouldn't be in this situation if he didn't make some of those choices. But right. we don't ever address root causes of shouldn't say ever. We seldom address root causes of problems. Mm-hmm. We want to address symptoms. This guy buying cold medicine in an attempt to manufacture methamphetamine is a symptom of another problem. Mm -hmm. If all we ever do is address symptoms and never get to the root cause, we will never solve problems. Mm -hmm. And this applies to everything. If you have a headache every single day and you take medication for it every single day to cover it up, you are probably not on a good ending here Mm -mm. because somewhere along the way, the root cause of your headache is not the fact that you have a headache. That's circular reasoning. Right. There's some other problem. And taking aspirin, because apparently we're in 1950, taking (laughs) aspirin, taking ibuprofen, taking an NASID, whatever, is just masking the problem. Right. And we're doing the same thing here. How many times have we seen somebody incarcerated, they get out and they immediately start back in? Well, it doesn't matter if it's smoking, drinking, pot, any other type of drug. Mm-hmm. These are habits that they've gotten into. There's been no retraining done while no. they were incarcerated no. and no treatment at all. And then we're supposed to be surprised when they reoffend. And right. so we get them into this cycle of, oh, well, you won't reoffend because your third one might be 60 years. No one's thinking like that. No, they don't. That's not. You're exactly right from a psychological perspective. That's not how we work on. That's not how our brains work. It just isn't. Right. And so in, in any case, though, I don't mean to get so high up on my horse here. It's I don't have all the answers either, but it does seem to me that. From a societal perspective, we really need to start taking a good long look at root causes if we ever really want to solve real problems. Mm -hmm. Now, again, some people absolutely need to be locked up for the rest of their lives. 
and and we've talked about what those categories are already. Mm-hmm. But this guy and his and his young son, uh, what are we doing here? Absolutely nothing. Do you know the cost for that? It's probably about forty thousand dollars a year to have somebody incarcerated. One person. Oh, the other thing that this article went on to say, and I I, I really want to give a, a a good shout out and acknowledgement to the appeal. Is, is is that by keeping people in prison for 60 years, that $40,000 a year you're talking about, that doesn't take into account the later years. That doesn't take into right. account the years when they've developed dementia, Parkinson's, where they've developed some other neurological disorder mm-hmm. that requires an immense amount of medical attention that doesn't come cheap to the taxpayers. So again, what problem have we solved here? Do I sleep better at night because the the first example I gave, the guy who who had personal use amounts of marijuana was going to spend the rest of his life in prison? No. No. Come on. Somebody's got to use a little common sense. Right. And a lot of times, and this is, you know, if you find a good prosecutor as a defense attorney, they are your best friend. They give you all your discovery they're there to seek justice. And, and I want to be clear. There are tons of great Absolutely. prosecutors out there. We're not saying anything about, we're not, we're not trying to pick on anybody. No. Everybody's got a job to do. I'm not. I'm not actually picking on anybody. But a lot of times, if your only tool is, how do you say it? If the only thing you if, have. If you're a hammer, everything in the world is a nail. nail. Right. And so if you think, if the only tool you have at your disposal is our, our fines and jail time, that's all you're ever going to be able to use. Right. And this goes back to one of our early episodes is the problem-solving courts. That's what they're there for is to solve problems. Well, and, and you know the funny thing is, is, is that don't you really feel like that's what every court needs to be is yes. a problem-solving court? Yes. You're there because of some sort of a problem. And again, if the problem is is that you've just largely reneged on your humanity card, then we have a path for we, you. We have a solution for that. Right. <laughs> so it why don't It may not we... be the happy, shiny solution <laughs> you want. But it is the happy, shiny solution the rest of us right, want. Right, but we got that shit figured out. Right. So why aren't we doing the same thing? Why aren't we challenging ourselves? And part of that is, is you're absolutely... Absolutely right. Tough on crime. Tough on crime. What in the hell does that even doesn't mean? mean anything. No, it doesn't. It's a political mantra that it accomplishes absolutely nothing. And- Marsha Blackburn's campaign called my husband's cell phone last night, and she was going to talk about how she wanted to stay tough on crime and, you know, uh, all, all these talking points that when you really think about it mean absolutely nothing. They're just, they're like masturbation. They make everybody feel good, but it really doesn't do anything. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's, okay. Well, she has now, I'm now speechless. <laughs> Yay, I win! It's taking this long. I win! Lightning butthole, whatever that comment was, that didn't do didn't it. Didn't phase him at all. No. He just kept on yapping. Exactly. I forget masturbation. Exactly. All of a sudden, you know, the brakes are falling off the well, and also your basement was flooded. That one kind of <laughs> threw me a little bit. <laughs> oh, so. I workshop these in the car. You that's, know that, that's right? awesome. That is awesome. So, um, in any case, though, you know, a, a huge nod to the Innocence Project and the difficult work that's done there. Um, and, and I don't want to discount from the difficult work of law enforcement and, and prosecutors either. I, it just 
everybody has a job to do and everybody needs to work together for the best possible outcome. And and defense attorneys too. You can't yeah. play hide the ball and no. you, you need to be honest and forthright and your client needs to, to understand Hey, there may be some other options available for you here, but you're going to have to, you're, you may have to swallow hard today. Mm-hmm. Um, in any case, though, I, I, I think it's so important that we not lose sight of the fact that the objective of the criminal justice system is supposed to be twofold get to the truth and rehabilitation. Mm-hmm. Those people who can't be rehabilitated, again, as Stephanie said, we have a solution for right. you and you will be there forever. But I find it very difficult to believe that the two examples that I've given of these men can't be rehabilitated, that they are required to spend the rest of their life in jail, Mm -hmm. in prison. One of them is out now. That was courtesy of the Innocence Project. The other one appears to still be in prison Mm -hmm. for a few packs of cold medicine and some lithium batteries. Which will cost 60 years is $2.4 million in Mississippi. The poorest state in the United States. And that's that's if that's if the, he maintains health and right. then just drops dead. That's best case scenario. Right. He doesn't get cancer. He doesn't get dementia. He doesn't get Parkinson's disease. Nothing like that happens. And his medical bills are zero. Right. And so, again, I do want to say, though, to those of you who are shaking your head and saying, well, you know what? If he hadn't done this, then it wouldn't be this. Right. That's a pretty simpleton approach. Sure. And for those of you who want to espouse your your Christian values and and the law is the law, I might also remind you to perhaps, I don't know, take a dance into the New Testament and see maybe there's some other things there that that might apply. Right. Like forgiveness, like understanding, like actual real true problem solving. And that's all we're advocating is true problem solving. Then not throwing stones. Whatever. Right. So, um, all right. We're about 50 minutes in. Okay, but I want to... We oh, talked about the Innocence please. Project. Yes, we've yes, talked yes. about some of it, the work that they do and and what you're talking about is kind of like sentencing reform, but the Innocence Project has actually um, freed people who were on death row. Oh, yes, absolutely. So I don't want to... Um, not take the opportunity to talk about them. I am most familiar with the Midwestern Innocence Project. Uh, Lamont, Lamont McIntyre was uh, released several years ago uh, for he was convicted of a double murder that he did not commit. Uh, we have uh, Ricky Kidd, who was exonerated in 2019. Uh, for first-degree murder and armed criminal action he did not commit. Faye Jacobs was uh, exonerated in 2018 from Pulaski County, Arkansas. She was charged with capital murder. She had life in prison without the possibility of parole, served 26 years in prison, and was released. This happens. It's not made up. Mistakes are made. Sometimes it's bad lawyering. Sometimes it's bad police work. Sometimes it's sort of prosecution. The system sort of collapses on itself. Bad eyewitness. Eyewitness testimony is terrible. Especially if it's cross racial. I challenge you to do any like YouTube searches about racial cross racial identification. People are terrible identifying other people of other races. Partly because you tend to spend time with people of your own race so you're not used to 
seeing people of other races and you will do a shit job of identifying someone of another race. Right. Talk about nuance. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's a whole spectrum out there. Hell, I couldn't describe you. Right? I mean, she's, I don't know. She's tall. She's she's hot. She's hot. She's hot. (laughs) So, yeah, this whole notion of, uh, of eyewitness testimony is a whole other problem. One of the things that I always use as an example is people will say, well, were they tall? Okay, I'm six foot tall. Relative to whom? Tall is relative. <laughs> no, they weren't tall. No, they're my height. They're, you know, I don't know, shorter than I am, but then so is like 90% of women. So I don't right. know what to tell you. <laughs> right. You know, and to me, were they short? Yes. Yes. But they were 5'9". Right. Okay, well, that's actually, I believe, above the average height for a man. I think that's average. I don't know. Right. But if, you know, all you have to do is look at that cartoon of, like, the two people are looking at the same thing just from different angles. And one of them says, no, it's this. And the one says, no, it's this. Well, yeah, they're both right. But it's just from a different perspective. Right. Right. So. So, We could um, actually turn this into a two-parter. We probably could, but we won't. Okay. Because, well... It's two weeks before we record again, and we're going to forget. Hey, I encourage everybody to spend some time on the internet looking at the Innocence Project. There are ways to help. There are people right now who are sitting in prison who are factually innocent of the crimes for which they are are charged. And there are some of those who have gone to death row. There are some of those whose lives have been taken, and it was later found out that they were, in fact, innocent. Yes, And some of that was to the bad behavior of a forensic scientist in a lab. I think right. we talked about that on an episode uh, several episodes ago um, when I was watching uh, Only Murders in Nebraska. Yeah, junk science <laughs> is a real thing. Right, but this was somebody who was just flat out not doing their job and just manufacturing results. Mm-hmm. So um, we've talked about that. And, and again, I, I would encourage everybody to do two things. One, investigate what your state's habitual offender laws are and see how comfortable you are with that. And if you think, yep, high crime needs to be punished and you mm-hmm. want to pound the table, I want you to think, gosh, what if it were my child? What if it were my son or my daughter right. that got caught up in this? And I didn't know because they were too embarrassed to come mm-hmm. back to me. Um, right. And imagine what it's like to, you know... Maybe you've fallen on a hard time and you honestly, you know, somebody in your family was sick and you forgot the court date and then everything cascades from that. Right. And you spend the next five years of your life in prison, not in an actual prison, but in a prison of not being able to drive, not being able to pay your bills, not being able to get to work, eventually not being able to see your kids because if you don't pay your child support, you can't see your kids. And let me tell you what, before you get too high up on that mountain, with a recession looming, you might think long and hard about, gosh, you know, this is something that could happen to me one day. And I'm certainly glad there are people out there who are looking out for the system. Mm-hmm. Because as wonderful as our system can be is as awful as it can be. Right. And the next time, a pol- this is what I'd ask you to do. The next time you see a politician or, or in a situation where somebody talks about being tough on crime, ask them exactly what they mean by that. Right. I think that's fair. I think that's an excellent question. Because you might be surprised by what the answer is. Because I'm not sure they can answer it. No, because it's just... Drugs! We need to get drugs off the street. Okay, those are great sound bites, but how are we going to accomplish that? How exactly is that done? And can you quantify for me how the war on drugs 
has has actually made a measurable dent in this problem. Right. Because you would have to to, reboot your politician. I don't know how to break it to y'all, but the war on drugs has a winner. And it's drugs. It is absolutely. (laughs) Drug dealers are ahead. Right. And the Um, next time you see, just in general, I've seen some signs in our state that say, elect this person for attorney general, sue Joe Biden. What does that mean? What does that mean? Right. And is that really the best use of the people's tax dollars? And is that really the best use of the the office of the attorney general? Right. And I don't care if it said sue Donald Trump. Right. I don't either. Yeah. Right. It makes no difference to me. It doesn't make any sense. Right. But it's just there to make, you know, oh, I'm serious about this. Well, it's just like the the politicians who are screaming up and down about uh, election integrity. Well, study after study after study indicates that that fraud, election fraud is a minute, minute mm-hmm. issue. And rather than actually look at, oh, I don't know, a thing like candidate quality, right. we instead want to just presume that there was some sort of mass infiltration uh, into our election system. But, but again, maybe it's because your ideas suck. Well, that could be. <laughs> hey, kids. Um, but we got a little off track here. Sorry, again, I, I I would encourage you go back and look at your habitual offender laws. It's election season. Stephanie's right, and when you hear a politician chest pounding about uh, tough on crime, challenge them. What does that mean, and at what cost? Well, at what cost? At what cost is the important question? At what cost to our humanity? At what cost to public safety? And how might the money that we're spending on this alleged war on drugs be better utilized from a treatment perspective? And actually reducing recidivism by actually healing people of their addiction, and I and I I, I mean that I mean that colloquially. Mm-hmm. I know that an addiction is a lifetime challenge. Sure. Um, but giving somebody the tools to fight that fight is pretty important. All right, so uh, we are, I think this is our second episode in a row. Oh my God. I know, don't tell anybody. Um, I think next time, we've got a couple of different options. It's election season, and I know that I like to just indiscriminately go crazy during election season. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, though, I I was kind of thinking on my way in, um, there's a turn that is difficult for semis to make, and I live on a street that a lot of semis come down. I don't live on that street, but I go no, I he have to travel. Does. He lives right there on that street. I live on the street in my car, <laughs> um, which uh, it's well-traveled by by semis. And so you have to back up if you want them to get in okay, right? It's just a pain in the ass for him to have to really swing that wide. So I always back up. And, and if nobody ever waved, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But what gets me is, is, is the people who wave, and they're just so appreciative. And then the people who just stare at you as they go by. And right. I, so I thought as I was as I was kind of rolling my eyes at the second person who went by, and I thought maybe we could just give a nod to nice. Yes. And what does that mean? And how does nice actually make us feel? How does it impact our health? How does it impact our diet? How does it impact our overall? And I know we, we did a nod to not complaining in season one. Mm-hmm. But I think just a, a nod to nice. So if you're okay with that. I love it. Good. Then that's what we'll do. So in two weeks, we, well, no, no, no. We're not saying when. 
When we come back, we may or may not talk about elections, and we may or may not give a nod to nice because we don't write things down. And we may or may not come back. And we may (laughs) or may not have some sort of early onset neurological issue. So that cuts a little close to the bone. So I'm not I'm not joking about it. I'm saying there may be some real issues here. It's a real tender topic. Exactly. Exactly. All right. In any case, we remind you if you like what we're doing, we would ask for you to give us five stars on your. Uh, platform of choice we would appreciate a written uh written what am i trying to say a review a re- there we go words are hard that's okay a written review and a five-star rating would be awesome that really helps us and gives us the encouragement to go on mm-hmm. if you don't like us you are welcome to tell us that we suck um yeah. but we're still going to go on because that too gives us the encouragement to yeah. continue because i will do all kinds of things out of spite <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah you just you get through season two you'll get to know her a little better folks <laughs> It's a tight wire act over here. It really is. It really is. Um, In any case, we appreciate you listening as always. And uh, we will see you hopefully in two weeks. Thank you. We love you. Stay safe and be careful.